Matt Damon. Cut line coming at ya. Hello, friends. Harbortown Golf Links, RBC, Heritage, and the only PGA tournament in South Carolina, and plenty of golfers to go over as our first major of the year is over. The Masters, Tiger Woods, champion, but the DFS train never stops, and the cut line is here to break it down, and man, we have a great show on tap for you. I'm your host, Michael Cavalunas at Lunas on Twitter. I'm so excited to be here. But I just can't do this alone. On the other side of the mic is my man, Mulligan Manafort, Zero Iron Zach. Man, I think that ball is in the beach, Manafort. He writes down more snowmen on a scorecard than you'll ever find during the winter. Zach Manafort. You can find Zach on Twitter at EaglesFan83. And you can find the cut line on Twitter at TCutline. We do want to stress that our DMs are open Anytime you have a question, go on ahead and get in contact with us, and we will try our best to get back to you as soon as possible. Zach, how you doing? Man, it's been a fantastic day so far. Uh, coming off the Masters, what a great week. It was some great golf action. I didn't get to catch most of it, but, man, that app that they had running for the Masters last week was phenomenal, and it's like golf in 2061. Uh, I can't wait to see the PGA eventually catch up in about 100 or 200 years from now and have them all like that. Uh, but otherwise, it's been a, it was a great weekend for golf. Uh, interesting to see Tiger win. You know, I'm I'm a hit or miss guy on Tiger. I, I, he's one of the greatest golfers of all time. But you know, he didn't really do me any justice since I didn't have much of him. But it was good to see him win. How about you? I I, I loved the app, hands down. It, it was it had to be you know other than the tournament of, of the, itself, my favorite part of the Masters. And, and you know, friends of mine that download the app, of course, you only download it for the Masters, and then you delete it from your phone. But just an incredible app, watching every shot that you wanted to watch. I loved it. But, you know, we're, we're, we're on a new tournament. Bigger and better things. You know, the cut line's here to bring you an in-depth DraftKings analysis of the RBC Heritage PGA Tournament. And we're going to do the best we can. Nice beaver. To give you the best opportunity to cash on Sunday. We'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside sand traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And our goal is to make sure that not only is the grass green, but so is your bankroll on Sunday. Now do us a favor. If you like what you're hearing, love the work we're doing, just give us a like. Much appreciated. Also, we want to say hello to our Canadian listeners and our lone listener in the UK. So it's nice to be branching out and continue to grow the cut line worldwide. And of course, a special thanks to PGA and Fantasy National for all the stats they provide for golf fans and PGA DFS enthusiasts. Fantasy National is helping plenty of players make optimal DraftKings lineups, and they can help you find sleepers that help you win tournaments. How's your bankroll doing? The Masters tilting. Zach, how'd you do? Uh, DFS-wise. Tilting. Tilting is the best way to, to describe it for me. I was looking good Thursday. I was looking good Friday. And then it just kind of all crumbled apart for me on Saturday and Sunday. I had all the Dustin Johnson, which I was, was high on during the show last week, but I had no Tiger Woods. I had no Brooks, I had no Xander, no Jason Day, uh, really any Tony Finau. I came off Webb Simpson, which I shouldn't have, and then I had a lot of Rom and a couple of guys outside the t- uh, top 10, but 
you know, with everyone getting 40% through six of sixes last week, if you didn't have guys in the top five, you were lucky to squeak them in cash. And if you got, you know, if you got the top five guys in, which is possible on some of these lineups, you made a lot of money. I think we had a lot of the right calls last week, but I didn't make enough lineups to piece them all together. So my weekend wasn't so great. If I should have just played showdown round one and two, and I would have walked away with a, a healthy little bankroll, but I'll have to come back here on the RBC and, and push forward. Uh, I hope you had a better week than I did. I I had a okay week. I, I wouldn't call it. It was min cash, you know, ultimately, but it was so tilting because I was up so much on Saturday. And I had a lot of the guys that you just mentioned, but my biggest regret, and I specifically even remember talking about this on the Masters podcast, was saying that Tiger was going to come in this week lower owned. My projections model had him hovering around 14%. I think he came in in the milli even lower than that. And I didn't have him in a single lineup. It was the first time that I've ever taken ownership projections and doubted it. And and for good measure. It's Tiger Woods. It's the Masters. Why would I ever think that Tiger is 14%? But long story short, apparently people listened to every single tout saying they were going to fade Tiger and ended up doing the same goddamn thing. So I regret that. You know, it it wasn't like lineup construction was going to be easy if you did roster Tiger. He still was 10,500 if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I still had plenty of Brooks. I had a little bit of Jason Day. I made the right call and being really underweight on Rory who just didn't show up this week. Oh. You know, he just peaked at the wrong time, I guess. And then I lo- I mean Brooks appears just at out of a whim at every major the guy is incredible he's just a fantastic golfer i like brooks brooks kepka and he's someone that you need to keep in mind moving forward at every major yeah i'm with you my my main problem last week going through my lineups again just real quick looking at him is i had a lot of the guys in the top five but then i had him anchored by casey or anchored by rose so you know i think casey the casey bomb chalked a lot of people uh, and bit a lot of people in the butt but you know what can you do it happens yeah and you know, I, I only have one consistent never play in DFS. There's one player in all sports, and that is Buster Posey for baseball. <laughs> I will never roster Buster Posey. Even if he's the only catcher on the slate, I'll take the zero instead of rostering Buster Posey because I still think I can win. The guy's just a bum. He's always overpriced, and he's just no good. I really, really, really think... Sergio Garcia is going to be on that list. Oh, yeah. And it has nothing to do with the Masters. It has nothing to do with the fact that he was one of, what, 13 that missed the cut? Yep. I I just, thinking about like him in Dubai when he was tearing up the greens and then watching him on the app and his just mannerisms and the way he carries himself, I'm a positive energy guy. I really don't want that negative energy in my lineup. And I know that's completely stupid. Because his energy has nothing to do with my DFS golf lineup, but it makes me feel better. So he's added to the list. Him and Buster Posey, same <laughs> list. Do not play ever. It's too bad we don't have Sergio on this on this course to see what he'd play him. Oh, garbage. Play like garbage, bring his negative <laughs> attitude and mojo and crap. Now, I, I wasn't overweight on Sergio, but, you know, he, he heard a few lineups. I did have a couple of them, and... Um, Long story short, it, you know, just imagine if he pulled that crap on a PGA course instead of Dubai when he was tearing up the green. Like, yeah, that's not going to fly. There's no way. I mean, 
that's amateur stuff. That that's what my buddy Tom does when we're golfing. Yeah, we're giving Tom a shout out. But I mean, it's yeah, ridiculous. Anyways, moving forward, it's in the past. We are moving on to the RBC Heritage Golf Tournament, where it just really doesn't matter how long you are, but how well you can get in the hole. Lucky for some of you. Greens are hard to hit, and my oh my, can the weather play with a golfer's head. Past winners from the field include Satoshi, Satoshi Kodaira, Brendan Grace, Jim Furyk, Kucher, McDowell, Sneds, Brian Gay, and sneaky, sneaky, Boo Weekly. And this course is challenging. Zach, what are the golfers looking at this week? Well, we're switching it up this week in Hilton Head, South Carolina at the Harbor Town Golf Links course. 7,100 yards, par 71 this week. Uh, we're going to go back to Bermuda Greens. It's a Pete Dye course, so kind of look at the Pete Dye specialist as we start digging into this course and where guys can have an advantage. Uh, you grip it and rip it players here don't need to apply. Your brute strength is not going to get you over the top. You need to have awareness of your shots throughout the course, be accurate off the tee, and make sure you know exactly where you want to place it to hit your second shot onto the green. Uh, if you end up off the course here, the native areas are going to really penalize your, these guys. There's a lot of swamps. There's a lot of woods. Uh, there's just numerous ways guys are going to end up with doubles and triples if they're not accurate off the tee. It's going to require balance between accuracy, but also having some length to take advantage of the three par fives here that provide the best scoring opportunity on the course over the last couple of years. On top of that, the greens rank the smallest of all the PGA Tour here this year, so approach is going to be key to providing maximum scoring potential. Uh, and as you mentioned, the weather could be a potential showstopper this week. So Thursday is not looking too bad. Uh, we're looking at about, you know, anywhere between 8 mile an hour and 12 mile an hour sustained winds with gusts up to 23 late in the day. But Friday right now is looking like it's going to be absolutely insanity. Uh, 20 mile an hour sustained winds up to 26 in the afternoon and then gusts from 36 up to 45 miles an hour. At this point, I feel like they'll blow the horn if we're having 45 mile an hour gusts with balls rolling themselves off the green. Uh, but it's something to keep in mind when you start looking at the golfers this week and who can play in the wind because, you know, they got to get to the weekend. And a lot of the times in the past, we've seen the wind really hit hard on the weekend. So you can't really have control over who makes the cut prior to that. But a lot of these guys may have to struggle throughout the throughout Thursday and Friday to make sure that they can make the cut. If they do on Sunday, the wind looks great. So we could have a great showdown here on the, on the, on the late afternoon Sunday to see who the winner is. But Keep that wind in mind as you're building your lineups this week and keep an eye on the forecast. Absolutely. But pay attention to tee times because tee times could become a factor. We want to stack those tee times come uh, come lineup lock. What key stats are you keen on, on uh, this week? So the ones I'm looking at mostly based off the last year's performance is strokes gained approach. I think is really going to be weighted heavily here with these small greens. And, uh, GIR's gained is another big one for me. And then those two paired together with strokes gained ball striking. And strokes gained short game are my biggest uh, weighted, weighted stats this week. I'm also taking a look at birdie or better gain. And then guys that are struggling on accuracy, I'm also looking at scrambling because there's, there's a ton of bunkers here. Uh, I think on, as we've seen on most Pete Dye courses, there's 54 bunkers throughout the course. So need to be aware of guys that are having trouble on the approach to make sure their scrambling game's on point. How about you, Mike? What you looking at? You know, I'm looking at a ton of stats, but specifically, you know, I'm looking at strokes gained approach bogey avoidance procs from 150 to 175 in addition proximity from 175 to 200 uh, a little bit of scrabbling on uh, fantasy national specifically i'm looking at good drives and i know it's not a bombers course but i still want good drives i want accuracy off the tee but i'm not going to weigh it as much i think as other dfs players and the reason is is those approach shots are so much more important 
And that's why I just, good drives are important, don't get me wrong, but I'm just not there with the weight. In my custom model, it's a little bit different of a build. Um, I never really kind of share the special sauce, but some of the things I'm looking at are uh, a combined effort in certain pro uh, proximity uh, yardage ranges, including uh, green, green and regulation percentage. So those are some of the things I'm looking at. I think bogey avoidance is key here, and you kind of mentioned that in the course preview. So that's what I'm looking at, and yeah. I'm, I'm feeling good. I, I, I think we're, we're looking at some real good lineup builds this week and the opportunity to really get some leverage to whatever else is thinking. Yeah, and I think one of the things that you also have to take into account here is if you're using Fantasy National, this is this is one of the best spots you can potentially use the mixed condition model, uh, especially with the win being a potential. I, I loaded in my custom model as an overall rank, and then I threw in like strokes gain T to green over the last 100 rounds in windy as fuck conditions uh, and really ranked them out so I can see how my stats rank out and then where they fall as an overall win player over the last 100 rounds. And you can kind of use that as a make or break as you kind of look at the weather and the tee times and if you're on the fence on one guy or another and one guy ranks seventh in windy conditions and another guy's like 110th you know you might want to lean that way so if you have fantasy national i think this is a great opportunity to learn how to really use the mixed condition model to help build your lineups well there goes the pg 13 rating as zach <laughs> drops our first f-bomb hey we are now explicit blame the fantasy national <laughs> Uh, I believe it's an abbreviation in, in Fantasy National. Okay, fine. I'm certain. Bing me out in the in the in the podcast. <laughs> You're banned. <laughs> banned for life. Here's my favorite thing about this tournament this year specifically is the field. It's not necessarily star-studded, but it seems a lot stronger than years past, and I like that. I enjoy that. It gets me anxious to get back into golf, even after the Masters. I mean, there's so much work that I put into my lineup builds in the Masters, more than any other golf tournament so far this year. And that excites me. And looking at our rosters, we're going to break this down, you know, traditionally with our birdie or better segment. And we are going to do it from our 10K range on down to the 6K range. We are going to start it with our 10K range. So, Zach, start off with your guy. I mean, who's your top guy in this range if you had to pick one? If I had to choose one, I'm going DJ here. But honestly... I completely agree. I completely at, agree. At 11.6, I'll probably work him in. I haven't built lineups. I got to see two times. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going to have to happen before I start building lineups. But 11.6, I don't know that I'm going to reach that high to pay for him. You know, he's in good form. He he's plays well. He's obviously the best golfer here. Uh, on Pete Dye courses, he's an absolute monster. Uh, when it comes to the last uh, 75 rounds on Pete Dye courses, he's been strokes gained off the tees, ranked one. DraftKings scoring, he's ranked one. Ball striking, he's ranked two. I mean, the guy's just a monster. Uh, but for me, I'm dropping down a little bit, and I'm taking uh, Bryson this week as my one sole play that I'm going to be heavily overweight on. Now, he's got great course history here. He's coming off 29th at the Masters, but he's he's decently rested compared to some of the other guys in the field that are up at the top that have been playing week after week after week. He's only grading out 39th overall in my model when I take all the stats and all the, the secondary stats I'm looking at. But I like him the most uh, out of the guys up top. And I think he comes under-owned here because DJ is going to go highly owned and Kucher is going to go highly owned uh, and Xander is going to go highly owned. But those guys have been playing week after week after week after week. And I think fatigue sets in for them. Uh, combine that with Bryson's approach game. It's been improving over the last few weeks and his putter has been hot as well. He's getting almost four and a half strokes on the at, at the players and at the API, and his mathematical approach here to second shots and shaping shots uh, really sets up well for him. Course history is great, strong form, rested, moderately rested compared to the other guys. 
I like Bryson this week at 10-4. I'll be at least two times, three times the field on him. He's going to be my core play. How about you? You know, well, just piggybacking off off your your comment on DeChambeau, this was his pro debut, this course, this tournament. And I always like playing the players that kind of have that particular narrative. And for me, that's that's saying a lot because I hate the narrative concept (laughs) in DFS. But in this case, I like DeChambeau for that reason. Look, finished third in 2018, fourth in 2016, and only place to go is up. So let's see, first or second, obviously. He doesn't look great in fantasy national models, and that's going to throw people off him. I really think that. On top of that, after his first round at the Masters, he didn't look good. And let a lot of people who rostered him down, considering where they saw themselves at the end of the first day especially on the noobs who don't realize that golf takes four days, a cut line and everything else of that nature, that might be off the shambo. So I do like the leverage play on ownership. Back to DJ, though, at 11-6. Man, he had the best round I've seen him have in a long time on Sunday at the Masters. But he shot a 68, and that was like a quiet 68. Not a lot of people were talking to him for obvious reasons, Tiger Woods. But look, he finished in 16th place here last year. I see improvement coming his way in the last 50 rounds. He was top 10 in strokes gain approach, bogey avoidance, and proximity from 175 to 200 yards. And he ranks first in greenness and regulation when compared to the field. I'm not sure which way I'm going to go. It's really to come down to ownership, in my opinion. But... I'd be interested if we get down to that 6K range, if we can do a Stars and Scrubs with DJ and Bryson. It would be very hard, though. That would be, yeah, that would be ideal. I mean, if I had to pick two and building a Stars and Scrubs, it, it would be those two, hands down. I mean, DJ hasn't finished outside the top 10 since back in February at the, at the Pro-Am. Uh, but other than that, I mean, he's finished second, sixth, fifth, first, ninth uh, on all the last events he's played. And he's, by, by and large, the best player in the field. Yeah, and, you know, continuing on with this 10K range, Everyone's going to be on Matt Kuchar. The, the course requires pinpoint accuracy, and that is tailored to Matt Kuchar's game. He hasn't missed a cut here since 2013, and that's as far back as I analyzed this, the, the, the tournament history. Um, you need to play the win. The approach, shots, the approach shots are essential, and I just feel his game is really tailored towards success here. He ranks second overall in my fantasy national model, and for good reason, for all the things that we've already talked about. But my favorite aspect is that he's fourth in strokes gained approach and third in bogey avoidance. But the absolute favorite stat, second in the field in the last 50 rounds in greens and regulation. That gives you birdie opportunity. It gives you par opportunity. You won't get the bogeys. You won't get penalized. Kucher is almost a lock for cash, for sure. I don't know where I stand yet on tournaments. What about you with Kuch? I am 100% fade on Cooch, and I'll tell you why. Cash games, yeah, I agree with you. He's got to be he's got to be a lock. But for GPPs for me, yeah, and, and here's the reason. Sure, he ranks out number one for me overall this week. But he And also, he hasn't missed a cut going back to 2009. I mean, the guy just is a monster here. So why, why fade a guy who ranks number one? One for me is ownership. I think he'll be like 30 35%. And two, he's been playing so many weeks in a row. He's coming off of... Thirty-five uh, percent. You think thirty-five? I think I think he'll come in thirty. He's ten k. He's not even like. I mean, you could build a balance or stars and scrubs here with him easily at ten k. I I just don't see a reason he, to be under twenty-five. I don't think he'll come in under twenty-five percent. I could see anywhere between twenty-five and thirty. Um, but I gotta imagine he's wearing down this week. This is his fourth 
fifth week in a row playing. He's played throughout weekends. He's played in the cold weather at the match play. Uh, he played in the grueling Masters event. I mean, the guys who have won this event have not either mi- have either missed the cut at the Masters or didn't play. So I don't think he even wins this event if he has a chance. And at 10K, he's got to place top five or better to really pay off and win you a GPP. Um, he's only finished inside the top five here twice. Uh, once in 2015 when he finished fifth, and then he won, obviously, in 2014. The other times, he's finished anywhere between 48th and 11th. That's not going to be enough to win you a GPP here, uh, especially with the increased strength of field. So despite his love for the course and his current form, I think he's going to be one of the highest, if not the highest, on golfer here. And I think on ownership alone, you know, if he finishes 20th or even better yet misses the cut, you're 20 30% leverage on the field right there. Um, I'm off Kucher this week. I see the appeal and I see all the reasons why, uh, but he's the one area I'm taking a stand on. And I'm, I won't have any Kucher this week. I mean, are we still going to do the age narrative here, though? <sighs> I mean, we've been talking about, look, Tiger just won, won the Masters, okay? We saw Jim Furyk go on a run. Like, we're early in the season. How, why are we taking age into a factor? I get, I get the leverage factor here with Kucher, but I'm not going to buy the age. If Cooch is here to play, he's, he's he's here to win money. He's here to win and have fun. You know, it, we're talking first in 2014, fifth in 2015, ninth in 2016, 11th in 2017, 23rd in 2018. So looking at those years, the only time he didn't meet value, if he was priced at 10K, was in 2018. Uh, it, there's a lot of numbers that say Matt Kuchar is a must play. Yeah, but the strength, of, that the strength of field in those years was not as good as it is this year. I, I just don't see him. He's got to be top five here. and I, I just don't see it with the guys that are playing with him. I, I don't think it happens. Yeah, and, and after that delightful banter, I'm just going to say that I'm probably not playing him in a tournament, but I, you know, <laughs> I like giving you guys alternative viewpoints on particular players that, that, that are options for you. So my fade... 10k range is Molinari he he just he fell apart on Sunday and and that sticks with me in terms of him as a competitor I mean that was a major he he dropped the ball at and he fell apart mentally he did and he just watched Tiger take a major away from him and I saw his post interview he appeared all right he looked okay you know he's like oh I'll take positive away from this and he probably will but it's just not where I want to go back to Molinari it's not the spot yeah no, and Masters PTSD thing is, is real. I mean, you got guys that crumble in the Masters. They're probably going to be a little shaky coming out the following week. And uh, I know. He you blew get, it. He blew look it. At, look at Spieth. Exactly. Yeah, he's still shaking it off. Oh, my God. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> All right. Any, anything last in this 10K range? No, I've got no interest here. I, I like a lot of the guys in the 9 and 8K ranges. Uh, I'll have Bryson and, and maybe some DJ, but that's it for me. Yeah, this nine eight seven k range. I mean, before before we dive into the nine k range, I, I I just feel like the key to this weekend is understanding who you're going to roster from these ranges coming up here. I mean, if you can properly break down this range, you're going to have a great weekend. And the thing is, a lot of these players compare so closely to one another. Uh, you know, starting this off with the nine k range, I'm going to go straight to Patrick Cantley. Yep. You know, he's 9,700. He's going to be pretty popular this week, and he's going to be a chalkier play. But I'm, I'm okay with that, okay? He finished 7th in 2018, 3rd in 2017, and he's just great great history here at Harbortown. 12th in the field in bogey avoidance, 3rd in proximity from 175 to 200. 
in 14th in strokes gained approach, all strong correlative stats to past winners. Now, what worries me is that he's below average around the green, but I'm, I'm not going to worry if he's getting them on in, in regulation, and I won't have to worry about his game around the green. Don't have to worry about the scrambling. What do you think of Cantley? Yeah, I'm on Cantley. He's my my biggest play on in the 9K range for me. Uh, you mentioned all the things I'm looking at, and then and really to add on to that, he's he really shines on approach from 175 to 200. And I'm with you. I'm not worried about the around the green stuff because his irons are dialed in. Uh, he does struggle a little bit with his putter on Bermuda greens, but these greens are so small as long as he's dialed mm-hmm. in with the shots that he should be able to overcome that. All right, who else you got in this 9K range? Uh, for me in 9Ks, I'm going to go back to my boy Webb Simpson here. Uh, it's back and forth with my love of him again. Uh, you know, I got off him last week. Uh, I started the week at about 30% on him, and I walked myself back to 8, and that kind of bit me in the, bit me in the butt when he finished 5th. So, you know, he ranks 4th overall for me in my total model. He's performed great in this event in the past. He hasn't missed a cut going all the way back to 2010. And then in those two, and out of those years, he's had two top five finishes. You know, and he's 700 less than Kuchar with similar course history here. He's coming in after a great master showing. He's well-rested. He hasn't played as much as Kuchar has or any of the other guys above him. Uh, he ranks out fourth in scrambling, seventh in strokes gained around the green, 11th in short game strokes gained. Uh, I'm going to be overweight on Simpson again, and, and I think this is the week I finally get him right, and I finally see him coming. I think he'll I, – I see him as a second or third place finisher this week. Oh, that's a bold statement. He can do it. He's he's on uh, he's he's coming in confident. I, all right, I Webb like Simpson, ninety four hundred. He ranks number one in my fantasy national model, number eight in my private model. He has elite stats and is just a course horse. You know, first in bogey avoidance, second in strokes gained around the green, first in scrambling, fifth in proximity, like you mentioned. And he just he played so well at the Masters, but he was under owned. How do you think that's going to affect his ownership? His ownership will go. It, it'll that'll take an effect. I mean, I was hoping he wasn't. I think finish. we're looking at twenty percent. Yeah, you know, no. See, I don't think so because you got Kucher at seven hundred more than him. If guys are going to play DJ Kucher or any of the top guys with Kucher or can't lay Kucher, you can't fit Webb. I think, I think he falls in a weird range where we, I don't. I don't think he'll be above fifteen to twenty. It's still high. Don't get me wrong, but uh, and then you got guys below him like Siwoo Kim. Billy Ho, Kokrak. I, he's in a weird spot where I think he, you struggle to build lineups at 93 trying to fit guys above and below you. But yeah, I think that's... I think the other thing, if people are digging into the history more, I mean, you look at, if you just narrow it down to Pete Dye course history over the last 100 rounds for all, all, the whole field, he ranks 7th overall in strokes gained total and 8th overall strokes gained T to green and 4th in DK scoring. I mean, this guy is a Pete Dye master. For me, he's going to be my, one of my core plays in the 9K range. I, I just don't see this being a possible week where he falls apart. Well, 2018, he finished 5th. 2017, he finished 11th. 2016, 66th. Yeah. So there's some good course history here. I'm um, looking at those last three years. One thing that I like is his rest. I think that's key. And then it showed at the Masters how, how well he played on Sunday. Obviously, it's a, mas- uh, it's a major. It's Webb Simpson. You know, he is in play. Um, qualified stats, he, he's really popping on my private model. So I do like that. Moving on in this 9K range, I got I got to mention him. Tommy Fleetwood in 9,200. Yep. When the hell is this guy going to win on the PGA Tour? Like, seriously, he's shown elite skills. He's, he's shown the ability to, to, to just dominate a golf course. 
question is he going to be able to do it here at Harvard Town. And I, I'm hoping, you know, cross your fingers that he gets his first win here. Not a lot of course history, none in fact. And he doesn't really have the stats that pop for this course other than the proximity range from 175 to 200. But we are looking at eight straight year-to-date cuts for Fleetwood. What about Tommy? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's criminal that he's he's got the same uh, betting odds to win, I believe, the RBC as he had for the Masters, which is crazy. Uh, so he's one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh, eighth favorite to win the Masters. He falls below Justin Jordan Spieth, which I think is criminal based on how Fleetwood's been playing. Uh, you know, I like Fleetwood. I think he's he's a great course fit here. The, my only concern is, you know, this this course is kind of leans towards the course history being a little favored if you have experience. And, and that's where I think he may struggle uh, on days one and two as he tries to get a feel for what the right shots are uh, compared to some guys who have played here year after year. Uh, but that's I think that's minor based on his skill set, and I think he, he can do well. Uh, my other concern here is he doesn't have a lot of history playing Pete Dye courses. Uh, over the last couple of years, he's only played on he's only played 10 rounds on them, and he, he ranks out pretty low. He ranks out 40th overall for me. So, you know, I, not to say that he can't play here, but I, I see areas where there could be red flags where he this is not the event that he's going to win. You know, he's currently 25 to one, and I'm going to I'm going to take a different position with you on that because when Deshambo made his debut, he finished in fourth. Yeah, but Deshambo is a guy that capitalizes on these type of courses. That's true, but you can't say that Fleetwood, a caliber golfer of him, can't come out of this course and win. At least get a top five. He just has to make the cut. Yeah, he might struggle on that first day, but he's not going to see anything that was more challenging than last year's U.S. Open. No, and, he, and I'm not going to say he, he's, not, he's not a right fit for this course, especially like the way he plays in the wind. I think that'll be a huge benefit here this week. So, you know, just because he doesn't have the course history, I'm not going to be off him. Uh, there's just a couple of things that make me want to dig into it a little bit more. If he's got a favorable tee time, especially for this course, I think I'll, I'll be more inclined to roster him. I don't think those exist, looking at the weather <laughs> no, right now. But no. anyways. you got to have who, a good one on Thursday. Who's, who's your fade in the 9K range? Uh, fade for me in the 9K range. I would have to say if I'm going to fade anybody, and I didn't really even look at a fade for 9K because you know I could make a case for a lot of these guys. It's going to be, for me, I would have to say Jordan Spieth. I, I know he's coming off a great finish at the Masters. Uh, he's actually not been he's been really good on Pete Dye courses but for me I'm still not a believer that he can string together four consistent rounds uh, so I'm off speed this week uh, I agree with you on speed I don't think I'll have a lot of them and of course it'll probably be the weekend where I don't roster speed and you know he just comes out and dominates but I'm actually going to think about fading a guy I like and that's Jim Furyk I just don't know if I'm able to commit to that price when looking at the guys around him but I am going to have to have a look at ownership. If he's, like, incredibly low, I'm going to have to roster Furyk. But, you know, if he is popular because of the way he's been playing in recent form, people like rostering Furyk. Yeah. It's going to be hard. It, it, it It's going to be based on ownership, whether I'm going to roster Furyk or fade him. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I won't have much Furyk just because I'll have a lot of Simpson and, and Cantlay and a couple other guys in the 9K range. But I'm hoping that I'll see his ownership rise throughout the week that way it'll just be easier to hit that x and not roster him at all well anyone else in this 9k range you want to mention we only uh, have two left kisner and uh siwoo kim so. i'm on siwoo kim this week 9k uh, he's got pete die experience he's he's ranks out in like top 15 and pretty much everything uh for me on pete die stuff um 
he's got good history here. He came in, I believe, second last year. Yep. And 14th in 2016 was the only two times he's played here. Coming in in good form, 21st last week, a fourth before that. Um, he lines up pretty well overall and statistical on my model. He is number 17 for me overall uh, with 10th and birdie or better, 7th in strokes game, short game, 5th in scrambling, 8th uh, in good drives, and 13th in ball striking. I think he's primed here for a win, and, and I love Siwoo Kim this week. I'm going to bet him. I'm going to play him. I'm all over him. How about you? What do you think of Siwoo? His recent form is great. Second place finish last year, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, the Masters, fourth at the Valero. In my personal private model, you know, he's up in the top 40. But in my fantasy national model, and, you know, I did last 50 rounds um, in windy conditions, he just doesn't pop. And that's concerning for me because, you know, he, he's losing a lot of strokes in approach, 98th in the field, in fact. And then 119th in scrambling. So if he's off and he's having a bad day, it's going to be a little, like a short weekend for Siwoo Kim. He, he's just not going to recover. So he might be a fade for me. Again, still early, looking at tee times, weather, etc. But I'm not as on Siwoo Kim as you are. That's but. fair. Uh, moving on to the 8K range. All right, this is a little bit bigger. And again, you really got to make some hard decisions here especially in your builds you can't roster everybody it's not optimal to to create lineups especially if you're doing a 20 max three entry max whatever the case may be so zach the 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 8k range what what do you got what are you looking at so for my two 8k guys that i really am keying in on this week and i think one of them is i haven't been on him for a long time it's mr coke rack at 8800 i haven't been on him for much of his amazing streak over the course of the season so far but i'm jumping in on him here he isn't suffering from Masters PTSD. He's coming in well-rested. He's coming in in great form. Uh, while he's missed his last two cuts here, that does worry me. He's also turned in a 6th, an 18th, and a 12th three years before that. And I, and I think, really, he's playing some of the best golf of his career right now and is really dialed in. For me, he ranks out 2nd in strokes gained approach, 3rd in strokes gained ball striking, and 4th in GIR's gain, 7th in good drives, and 17th in birdie or better gain. I mean, the guy is just on fire. He's my 7th ranked overall golfer when I looked at my mixed condition model. And he's also a great Bermuda putter. I mean, he's got the whole package to win this course. And we've seen in the past that guys who win this event typically either didn't play the Masters or missed a cut at the Masters. So he falls into those categories too. He fits in almost every build pretty easy at 8,800. I see no reason for me to avoid him here. I'm going to be at least two times the field, if not three times. I might even lock him. I don't know. What do you think about Kokrak? I think Kokrak is going to be very chalky, and he's a, he's a name that's recognizable, right? Um, he didn't play at the Masters, which we all know, but he's going to pop on a lot of models. I mean, on my private one, he's top 10. On my Fantasy National, he's 19th, um, and he's $8,800. I feel like if you want to diversify those lineups, you kind of get away from that chalk, and you want to go in a different direction. I I like Kokrak, don't get me wrong. You know, he fits this course well um i don't know if i want to eat that ownership though how much chalk am i willing to eat in my lineup builds well i think if i'm fading kuchar up top and i'm fading some of the other chalky guys i'm willing to take the ownership here and 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 hit it i've been saying i'm avoiding kokrak ownership the last two times he played and he got a seventh at the valero and a second at the valspar um it bit me in the butt the last two times i'm just going to eat it here he's rested he's playing well uh, I'll take it, and I'll just I'll die on Kuchar, and I'm also fading Grace. So 
I'm avoiding a lot of the chalk spots here, and I'm I'm just going to take Kokrak. Well, I mean, let's keep looking at chalk. Look at Sun J M, eighty four hundred. Yep. I mean, I'm I'm going to start calling this guy the machine because he just wants to play in every freaking tournament that he can. But I mean, he's young, he's hungry, he just wants to compete, and I like seeing that. He ranks ninth overall in my private model, but now he's never played over at Harborside, and I think that ownership is obviously going to be high on him. But wouldn't you rather go Sunjay than Kokrak? If you're looking at ownership wise, yeah, I think he, a leverage play is on Sunjay, but. You know, he's got no experience here. He doesn't have a lot of Pete Dye experience as, a, as a, in general just because he's a younger player. doesn't mean he can't do well. Um, he definitely will come in. I don't know if he's coming as under-owned because he's playing so much. He's becoming a popular name. So I don't know how much less owned he'll be. I mean, he'll obviously be less than guys like Grace and, and Kokrak, but I think he'll still be relatively high. See, I don't think Grace is going to be Chuck. I think Grace is going to be the guy who's going to be less than 10%. No way. Yes, way. Coming off a win off of uh, the last time he was here, right? He won the, the last in 2016, 11th and a 7th here. I mean, he's got, his course history is phenomenal. I, I just think people are going to look elsewhere. I mean, we got to remember who else is touting these guys. Everyone's going to remember Poulter from the Masters. You know, they're just going to. They're going to remember Chucky Three Sticks. Yeah. Kokrak's a name. Like, this, this whole 8K range is loaded with names. Ryan Moore, even. Yeah, could be arguably is like Benny on. Look at that. I mean, I'm like, all over Benny on. Yeah. Like where, where, where isn't the chalk? I mean, you have to fade someone. I think Grace is the fade. Yep. I, I, I'm sorry, not the fade, but I think Grace is the pivot. The guy is, is not necessarily coming in at the best form. We're looking at, you know, for the last eight cuts that he's made. It, it, it's something to consider. I, I think this is a range where you really need to get a key honing in on ownership and and if you can do that you're going to gain leverage to the field and that's why this 9 and 8k and 7k range is so important this week it's incredibly important i like grace personally yeah. I, I think i think he's a solid play i think he's the guy who's going to be low owned other than fitzpatrick who i don't think anyone's going to have which which in in fact is a shame the guy got 21st at the masters 14th last year at the rbc i mean this this it's hard to fade someone here yeah, I'm with you on Fitzpatrick. I could see that being a play. I'm off Grace. I mean, he hasn't even finished. His only top 10 since May of last year was at the Waste Management Open back in January. His his approach game's hurting. His ball striking's hurting. His scrambling's hurting, uh, especially on Bermuda courses. And I don't know. I don't I don't see him turning it around here. Uh, I'm I'm off Grace. I, even if his ownership low, I just can't pivot down to him in his current form. All right. What about Mark Leishman? Yeah, I see the case for Leishman. I mean, he does well on Pete Dye courses. He's he's a solid play here. Um, let's see, what is his, uh, his... I'm not up to speed on his history. Uh, let's see. Okay, yeah, so he's miscut last year, 44th, 30th. Uh, miscut, came in 9th in 2013. So, you know, hit and miss, boomer bust kind of guy. Um, Pete Dye courses he's, over the last 75 rounds is... His off the tee game is a little weak, coming in 87th in the field. He's only ranked 48th in approach. Um, yeah, you know, for 8K, it's not a terrible play, but I, I, right now I have no Leishman for me. I, he didn't even make my first round of cuts. All right, well, just to let you know, the ranks go from 8,900 down to 8, Horschel at 42, uh, Cokes at 19, Three Sticks at 15, Poulter at 9. Fitzy at 75, Sanjay at 8, Brandon Grace at 22, 
Benny on at 7, Ryan Moore at 6, and Leishman at 12. Those are the ranks in my model on Fantasy National. To say that this area isn't loaded is absurd. Building idea. Go with the AK range and just do a consistent you know, mid-tier build. Strategy yeah. this week, do you like it or no? You know, I think it'll be different. I think a lot of people are going to go with Stars and Scrubs based on the, the stronger field, and, and it's really not that hard to do after playing with a, a little bit. Uh, I think the, the balance approach, hopefully it doesn't get touted too much, is going to be uh, the contrarian build here. And I'm starting to like it because a lot of these guys in the 8K range do rank, especially for me as well. Um, the top eight, the, I got Sanjay at 8. Uh, Leachman does rank out 5 for me, so, so that's something to consider. Uh, even guys in the 7K are ranking out 4th and 5th in my model, so... I, it shouldn't be hard to build a balanced lineup with guys that fit this course. All right. Anything left in this 8K range that you'd like? Anyone want to mention? No, uh, Benny Yan was my only other one. Um, but, you know, we talked about him a little bit. Uh, that's pretty much it for me in the 8Ks. Yeah, Benny Yan is a good play. I, I, I kind of want to touch upon a little bit about Poulter at 8,600. Like, he's ninth in my model on Fantasy National. I think he is going to be popular because of the exposure at the Masters. But. You know, in the last 50 rounds, ninth in strokes gained around the green, third in good drives, 11th in green, uh, greens in regulation gained. Um, Year-to-date has made nine straight cuts, and he averages 25 more DK points than average to the field. You might get him under-owned. I, you know, I could see him being at most 14 15%, and I think it's something that I might want to take advantage of in GPPs. Yeah, I see the I see the appeal on Poulter. I mean, eighty six hundred is a weird price point, uh, below Kokrak and some of the other chalky guys, uh, right above Sanjay, above Grace. Uh, I like Poulter. He's he's actually good, really good on Pete Dye courses as well. Uh, he ranks eighth in the field in DK scoring, and he's on fire DK scoring recently. So I don't see that trend going backwards. Uh, I think Poulter's a great player. All right, you have to fade someone in eight K range. Who are you doing? I'm I'm off Grace. No thanks. You're off Grace. No thanks. I am off. Chucky three sticks, no howl for me. And I love playing howl, but 8,700, he just doesn't have the course history that I want to see. And I, I do think course history is important at this price range. I just don't think he fits well either. He's, he's struggling with proximity and putting and strokes getting around the green. It's just not adding up for him here this week, and, and I'm going to pass. So Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I don't have any of him either. All right, we're going to move down to the 7K range, and why don't you start it off for us, Zach? You know, I go a little bit off the board on, on the 7K range, but the first guy I'm looking at I think is going to be a pretty popular play, at Lucas Glover at 7,800. Another guy coming in with great form after a 14th at the Valero, 13th at the Valspar. Uh, he ranks out for me 7th in GIRS gain, 3rd in scrambling, 17th in ball striking, 7, 15th in approach. Uh, he's made the last four cuts here, usually ending up in the mid-30s, so not, a, not really a huge scorer. Uh, but coming in in his current form, I think we should see a top 20, and he's got top 10 upside. I like Glover here a lot, and I really I think I'm going to rotate him through quite a few of my teams uh, that need someone in the upper 7Ks to, to uh, finish out a team. What do you think about Glover this week? Yeah, I like Glover. He's going to be very popular. He ranks 11th in my fantasy national model. Um, one thing that really sticks out is the 14th in bogey avoidance in the field. Um, does well in approach, does well in proximity, and does great in greens and regulation. Those are all key stats that I'm focusing in on this week. Uh, ranks even better in my private model. Looking at my private model, he ranks third overall. You know, he's coming in a good form. He averages about 17 more points than average to the field. I like Glover. I'm just fearful of how much people are going to have Glover. 
Now he does fit in that price in the uh, in the upper tier of the seven thousands, so I like that. I think that's going to lower ownership a little bit as people are going to probably go down to like Russell Knox, yeah, or even go down to the familiar RCB. I doubt it just because of recent form with RCB, but you know they might see that name and go that way. Obviously, it's going to be dependent upon other touts and, and what they're talking about, what they're saying. But um, I do like Glover. You know, another guy that I like in this range, and he's he's. He's kind of sneaky, in my opinion, and that's Ryan Palmer. I love Ryan Palmer here at 7K, and he's had two top 10 finishes here since 2013. And in my opinion, looking at ownership, he's going to be sub 5%, and he's only 7,000. It really gives you a lot of ways to line up your, you know, differentiate your line of construction. And he just ranks 26 in my private model. I like Ryan Palmer. There's, there's no stats necessarily that are going to pop for Palmer. Um, but he's someone that I'm going to have a little bit of exposure to. Not a lot, but a little bit, where I think he could get uh, top 20 at least, especially at 7K. He really pays off. Yeah, Palmer. I mean, I'm struggling with recency bias on Palmer because I had so much of him at the Valero. Uh, and over, instead of Ryan Moore, and Moore finished up top and Palmer missed the cut. Uh, I don't think I'll have much of, of Palmer, and I think a lot of it's in my head. Uh, I see the, the appeal here, but... Palmer is just not a guy I'm looking at this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy I'm looking at at the 7K range is Grillo. Yep. Uh, I, I love his game. I love his form right now. He's looking really good. And if you just give me that hot putter, you know, we're looking at a top 20, fin- you know, top 20 finish for sure, probably top 10. He's 10th in stroke gain approach in the last 50 rounds, 3rd in proximity from 150 to 175, and he's 12th in greens and regulations gained. He finished in 16th last year potentials there just give me those putters that that just just is hot and going and grillo's a great play this week what do you think about grillo yeah i like grillo this week i think he's going to come in a little bit under owned uh his form has been good but not great uh but he does line up well for this course and he's he's an above average win player too which i think is, is a key stat to keep in consideration for especially making it through to the weekend um if he can battle that wind and really get ahead of it i think he's in for a pretty good finish he did. Play, he finished in 62nd at the Masters, so he did play this past week. In case you didn't have him, but I just I, wa- I wanted to point that out for everybody. Who's another guy in this range you like? Uh, this is where I start to get off the board a little bit, and I started to get a, a little wacky. And you know, I got to reevaluate a little bit on some of these guys. But I'm looking at Corey Connors here at 7200, and this I is, I like Connors. Too, and this yeah. is yeah. And you look at the course history, and it's just terrible. He missed the cut in both tries in 2018 and 2015. But he's playing great golf on Bermuda courses this year. His around the game, around the game, around the green game is struggling, but his iron game is dialed in. Uh, he showed it at the Valero where he gained 11.6 strokes on the field, uh, which does skew his stats a little bit, but he also gained 4.4 strokes at the players. Uh, over the last 24, when you just look at Bermuda courses, he ranks out first in strokes gained approach, ball striking, good drives, GARs gained, and birdie or better gained. You know, those alone have like really keyed me in on, on Connors. I do worry about his scrambling ability if he finds himself on one of the 54 bunkers on this course. Uh, but with his approach game being dialed in as it is, I hope and doubt he ends up there. Uh, my other concern, you know, with Connors, which which I think some people will notice, is he's playing a ton of golf. He's played every week since the API. This is his sixth straight week. Yeah, he missed the cut at the Corrales, which hopefully gives him a little break to catch up on two days of rest. But I do worry about fatigue, you know, especially after debuting at the Masters. I think that's a lot of pressure. Uh, I think... Masters PTSD is real. We've seen guys miss the cut and withdraw um, off in the past over that. So, you know, 
a lot of golf, relatively, you know, struggling player on this course. Kind of concerns me, but uh, it's just some of the stats that pop for me. I, I like Connor this week. Connor's this week. Yeah, Connor's uh, currently ninety to one to win the tournament. Uh, I like Connor's as well. I think there are stats that pop. He doesn't really pop necessarily on Fantasy National, but there are things that I like about it. You know, he's fourth in greens and regulation gain, second in good drives. Um, where he scram- like you kind of touched upon it, where he, where he struggles is scrambling, and if he does get in trouble, it's going to be a long weekend for Connor's. I'm kind of concerned about that price. It's a little high. You know, yeah. I, I I get it. You know, he came into good form in the Masters and everything like that. I, I I'm just not sure if I'm willing to buy all in. You know, at that price at 7300 I, I think I will have a few shares, though. Another guy that I like in this range is Abraham Anser. And on my private model, he ranks 13th. And on my fantasy national model, Anser ranks 106th. He's terrible in his last 50 rounds. <laughs> I mean, he's got no course history. We're looking at a guy who just he, he struggles on Bermuda. And he's kind of just in the middle in terms of real windy conditions. But, you know, his approach has improved the last five rounds, 10 rounds, 20 rounds. T-degree game has improved. Um, Where he's struggling is around the green and putting. And as we know, a putter can get hot at any time. I like his chances here. This is a guy who finished 12th at the Players this year. Okay. 42nd at the Valero. He did miss uh, miss the cut at the API. I'm okay with that. Okay, it's it's not like he's coming in with awful form. Does he fit the course? Not necessarily, but I'm trying to find guys that'll give me some leverage that I know can actually perform well. I think he's an option. What do you think? Yeah, answers one of those guys that, that I usually don't play, and there's no real reason for it. Um, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to have any answer this week, uh, but for all the reasons you said, I, I see the appeal on the leverage play. Uh, for me, I think I'm going to go um, a different route here on a guy that doesn't even show up really when you start looking at on Fantasy National um, for me, and that's Matt Wallace. Uh, he doesn't show up anywhere, and, and he really disappointed at the Masters missing the cut. But prior to that, he was 30th at the Players, 6th at the API, and 20th at the Honda. Uh, he's gaining strokes on the field and approach off the tee, or around the green, and, and his putter's been pretty good. Uh, for me, uh, Matt Wallace is a guy I'm definitely going to be playing this week. Yeah, Matt Wallace is interesting play as well. This whole range is interesting. They got just tons of guys. Even if you want to go the Luke Donald route, I, I I wouldn't, you know, criticize you for going that way. But it, it's key that you get this range right because everyone's priced so closely together, and these are the types of guys that are going to fill out your lineups. Um, Keith Mitchell, what do you think? Yeah, Keith, any interest? Uh, you know, I haven't even he didn't make my first cut on guys that I was looking at this week. Uh, because he only came in 55th last year, uh, but he does fit the course well and, and cheap price. Yeah, I could see the appeal. So, yeah, looking at Chalk at that 7K range, you know, we're looking at Glover and Knox. After that, I think you're looking at guys who are going to be under 10% owned. So so it's really important that you, you, you hone in on those guys that you guys like doing your own research as you guys do your lineup builds. We're going to move down to the 6K range, and I'm going to steal the thunder because i got to do it and because I'm a jackass. But... Boo Weekly at 6,100. I am going to be overweight. Boo Weekly, unless you're an avid fan, 
you don't know who he is. Boo Weekly is an unknown, but he is the one famous for doing the bull dance at the Ryder Cup in 2008. Oh, and one more caveat. He won in Harbor Town in 2007, and he won in 2008. That's right, back-to-back champ here at the RBC. Why the downfall from Grace? Well, found out he had show, uh, cancer, so he needed surgery. I stepped away from the game for a while, but now he's participating in the web.com tour, and I don't think anything would be better for Boo Weekly than to make the cut and compete this weekend. What do you think of Boo? Oh, I was all over Boo from the get-go. Uh, 6,100. The guy hasn't missed a cut since 2009, uh, although he didn't play here last year for, for that reason. Uh, he doesn't play a ton of events at 45 years old, and he'll usually finish you know middle to the bottom of the leaderboard when he makes the cut. But if you're going to go stars and scrubs here and you think the guys above 10K are going to run away with this thing, then you have to have Boo Weekly. He's 6,100 for a guy who's just going to make the cut is all you need. And he ranks out so good on Bermuda courses. Sixth in approach, second in ball striking, 18th in GIR's gain. Uh, he'll be a staple in my stars and scrubs for sure. Yeah, and the nice thing is he's 6,100, so you can pay up elsewhere to kind of get um, other players in your lineup. Any other 6K guys you like? Yeah, for me, I think uh, one of the guys I like the most is, is Scott Stallings at 6,800. Uh, I don't feel great about it, but coming into the RBC at, in pretty decent form, 23rd at the Valero, 9th at the Valspar, uh, finished 53rd last year, uh, and he missed a cut the other three times. So yeah, you know, a little bit of an issue, but that was in 2011 and t- to 2013. For me, he, he grades out eh, in the middle of the field, 27th in GIR's gain, 22nd, pretty or better, uh, 33rd in ball striking. He struggles around the green, but that shouldn't be an issue as long as his approach game's on point. You know, with a course that's focused more on iron play, I think Stallings can easily make the cut here, uh, finish 20th to, through 30th, really pay off his salary and provide you the, the salary relief here to, to, to pay up elsewhere. I mean, this this 6K range, is, it, it's sometimes such a crapshoot, but I think there's really a lot of diamonds in the rough. You know, some names I'm going to throw out there, Ches Reeve and Scott Piercy. Scott Piercy finished in 16th last year, and, you know, he's averaging 74.5 DK points per game. Um, his form isn't that bad, especially his last eight. He made seven of the last eight cuts. Hasn't played, though, since the players. So I actually like that long break because he can really zero in on his game and the things that he needs to work on and really focus and prepare for Harborside. He knew he was going to play at this tournament. I think it's key that uh, he, you know, he's ready and willing to play in this PGA event. Um, at 6,700, I think he's kind of a bargain, especially what he can bring to the table. You like Piercy this week? Yeah, I'm not a big Piercy fan this week, but I do like Reevy, who you mentioned earlier. And it's one of those weeks where I see Reevy come to the top of the model and i'm like oh god here we go uh, he ranks out actually second overall in my mixed condition model which is terrifying uh, and just 21st when i look at the key stats that i that i graded out this week uh, see i'm at, curious like he's fourth in mine yeah and, and it's, I'm, I'm, cur- I'm just curious what's gonna happen then to his ownership because like if you're gonna tell me a 6k guy is gonna be chalk i he, that's an immediate fade for me and Chaz Reeve chalk is never a good chalk no absolutely not <laughs> And his course history is not great. Three to three to seven cuts since two thousand nine. Never finishing better than thirty third. Yeah. Coming off coming into this week of two missed cuts and a sixty fifth at WGC Mexico. Nah, I don't know. I, I get the model is pointing to him, but I just see so many reasons to to, to avoid. Makes and sense. It, yeah, ownership goes up. I'm off. All right, another six K guy. I have some interest in. I've had interest the last few weeks. Rory Sabatini. He ranks 33rd in fantasy national model, 18th in bogey avoidance, 
25th in strokes gained around the green. Everything else he grades out okay, minus proximity and putting from 15 to 20 feet. Um, what do you think of Rory? Yeah, Rory's a guy that you've been on for a couple weeks, and at select courses, I think he fits well. I think this is one of those uh, shorter courses is, is good for him. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I like Rory. He's, he's a good 6K punt for sure. Yeah, the 6K range is is a mess, and you, you really kind of have to go through it, and you're going to have to dig. I mean, guys that are going to pop on certain models are guys like Nick Watney, Chris Kirk, Jonathan Bird, and they are going to show, but they're going to pop on everyone's models. So you really got to dive into course history and really value particular stats with these guys, recent form, et cetera, et cetera. I would also look for correlating courses or tournaments and see how these guys fared on those courses. So that's really, really, yeah. Really look at like experience on Pete Dye courses is something that you should really dig into as well. I mean, that's, these courses are all pretty similar on what they demand from players. And, you know, certain guys may just bomb the last six or seven events they played, but for some reason, every once in a while they, they shine and it could be because it's a Pete Dye course. Yeah. And you can't do that unless you have fantasy national, so, anything else with this six K range? Anything you like in here? Any any last thoughts on this? On the, no. on the bottom of the barrel, boys. You know, the guys I'm scraping the barrel on are Harold Varner the third, Jason Duffner. Uh, I've got some interest in Stuart Sink, but yeah, it's just all, it's going to be guys I rotate through at a, at a low one to five percent. All right. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones, and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. Well, that'll wrap things up for the cut line in our analysis of the RBC Heritage Tournament at Harbortown. Make sure you check us out next week as we break down the Zurich Classic. And we want to thank our listeners, Fantasy National and the PGA Tour, for all the stats they provide. Remember, you can follow the cut line on Twitter at PCutLine. Thanks for joining me, Zach. You can find Zach on Twitter at EaglesFan83. I'm Michael Cavalunas. You can follow me on Twitter at Lunas. Get those builds started. Trust your intuition. And lots of green coming your way Sunday. Go and get them.